Welcome to the Red Alert Podcast. I am your host, Joe Chap, and I'm along with my co-host. The better half, Cindy Berry. And look, we are live because obviously, well, there's a lot of reasons we're live. Number one, we haven't been on camera before on the Red Alert Podcast. Like, we've been on the camera before, but I felt like we needed to just get back on camera. But unfortunately, unfortunately, our page was kind of reported that we had. The page was reported. And sadly... We have to do with what we have right now. So we had 10,000 followers, and right now we have 90 followers. So we're kind of just going back over it. And, Cindy, tell them about yourself because I think people are going to be like, who the hell is these people? Right, right. Well, for those of you who have been following us and followed Detroit Red Wings news page, uh, which was awesome. And the reason why it was awesome uh, is because we were posting content that you just didn't get anywhere else. And the reason why you don't get it anywhere else is because Joe and I, um, as you can see, we're very, very different. I am a suburban mom, white collar. Believe it or not, I'm a politician. That's what I do in my day job. But uh, the reason why Joe and I have gotten together to do this podcast for you and why it's so great is that we know people. And Joe will tell you a little bit about why he knows who he knows. And I'll tell you why I know what I know. So um, some of you might be interested to know that I only started following hockey four years ago. And the reason I started following hockey is because I started to write a novel um, that you are all going to love. It's coming out next year. It is a hockey novel about a plan to fix the Stanley Cup finals. And uh, I have interviewed over 100 people in and around the NHL, gotten a lot of great friends and contacts over that time. And hey, it's great to have friends. It's great to have people and people talk. And uh, we never disclose our sources, which is why we still have them. So um, you get the benefit of all that by watching us. So we're really excited to be here. Can't wait to talk Red Wings hockey with you. And um, I was up at training camp. Saw a lot of great stuff there, and you got to see a lot of that yesterday during the game. So Joe and I will be talking about that. So that's a little bit of our backstory. I can tell you that uh, I work with some very, very high-profile Detroit Red Wings, current and former, and um, that uh, it's great stuff. So um, we look forward to sharing that with all of you here on yeah, the Redler Podcast. And if you're new to the podcast, we have it on Apple and Spotify. So if you want to go back and, and listen to it, you can go do that as well because I know people love doing that. And it's on a bunch of other platforms too, so it don't matter. Um the second part about it <laughs> the second part about it is obviously we're we're getting this go this puppy going right now. So it's gonna be great to at, talk hockey with people that actually want to talk hockey with. Uh Alan he was asking about the podcast today. He said hello let's go Rebbings. Hi Alan thank you for following and um I spread the word because uh, we need it obviously after the page got reported um and the reason why that got reported joe because we, we had the scoop we had, we had we had the scoop on alex to bring it we definitely had the scoop on alex to bring it we both first they, and people wanted to bring us down and there was one particular organization that really wanted to bring us down and we won't get into that maybe in a future episode but we're going to keep that hush hush anyways we had a game yesterday with the Detroit yes. Red Wings, and you were at training camp, so there was a lot of things that we could talk about with the Detroit Red Wings. Obviously, we're gonna get, when we do our season preview pod, that's going to be a great pod because if you're if you're going to be watching us and you're going to be listening to us or where however you consume this podcast, you're going to love it. There's going to be a lot of great stats and everything, and we'll, I think we'll do that around October first, maybe somewhere around along there. But we're going to do that. But uh, First off, obviously the Red Wings played yesterday with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and it wasn't the Pittsburgh Penguins' A squad or B squad. It was probably their C squad, to be honest. And 
I think the first takeaway I have with the, that game yesterday, Cindy, I know we're going to get into training camp too because you, you went to training camp. But yeah. the first the first takeaway I'm going to have about this, this game yesterday was I didn't like the way James Reimer looked. But when you looked at Nate Danielson, oh my God, he looks like he could be a he could be a stud. For sure. And you know, that's no different than what we saw, what I saw at training camp as well. You know, several years ago, I was at camp when I started doing the research for, for the book and everything. I would I started researching and learning hockey, right? And so I was up at camp. One of the things that I saw is I saw a whole lot of attention being paid to Mo Sider then. And I've been talking about Mo Sider ever since, you know, they had three trainers working with them and the same thing with Danielson. What you see with Danielson is you see a lot of attention being paid to him in training camp and he looked really, really good, looked really solid, showed a lot of maturity for a young man. I think it's his birthday today, turns 19. I'm like, I was halfway to social security. I was like halfway to retirement when this kid was born, you know? And That's because so, you're old, um, but we'll get into that. Yeah, but he looks great. He looks great. And so, um, but I did see the same thing that you saw with Reimer. I had the same concerns about him. I don't think the Red Wings have yet what they're going to need in net to really be contenders. You know, you can't put it all on Billy Huso, and um, he's got to have some help. And so one of the people that I saw at training camp that they were spending quite a bit of time in net with, which I thought was interesting, was Hutchinson, which is not a name that a lot of people have probably heard or paid attention to. But I would say take a look and keep watching Hutchinson because I think he's going to get some time, uh, probably start out in Grand Rapids is my guess, but would not surprise me if we saw him in a couple NHL games this season. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting because you you named Hutchinson. I <clears throat> I think a lot of people named Hutchinson as well. Not not really, but they say like maybe Hutchinson can make an outside shot to make it. But overall, like I think like if Hutch, because I we have two Hutchinsons, which is so weird because I was doing the Lions podcast and I was talking about Hutchinson, so I called him Hutch just now. But you know, it's just the way it is. I, I don't. I'm not really privy on our backup goalie situation right now. Like I to be honest, like I like Alex Lyon as a goalie. Um, but I don't think he's great. Um, I like James Reimer as a goalie. I don't think he's great altogether. Like last year, we what we dealt with with uh, Billy Huso having to play a majority of the games because there was no backup goalie. That was kind of it was taxing on uh, Billy Huso. So I think that was a, a need that they try to address. I'm, obviously, with you know getting Reimer uh, and getting Lyon, they're trying to find one that could fit. And I. The way that Reimer played yesterday, and Alan, he, he put this out there. He said, you know, Reimer was soft, but the power play was great. And I, I agree with him 100%. Like, some of the goals that uh, Reimer let in, like, here's a background on me. I played goalie, so I, that's that's why it is. Now, I don't play goalie right now, but I, I did play goalie. And um, obviously, when you're a goalie, like, the goals that he gave up yesterday, they were kind of soft. Like, I, I wasn't really impressed with them. Obviously, it's the first game, so we're, we're only getting to see, like, the first time out there. But it could have been a lot better. Man, I just I don't have faith in the backup goalie position. But if you look in our, our if you look at the goalie position throughout the prospect pool, like Trey Augustine, who's going to be at Michigan State, there's some people that are saying that he might be better than Sebastian Costa, which is a far fetched kind of thing. But I mean, if you get a guy like Trey Augustine that could pan out, like these goalies, like I, I don't I don't think what people understand about goalies is they're like um, they're like quarterbacks in the NFL. Like yeah, you could take one and think that he's going to be great. And then you take another guy like like what the Redskins did a couple of years ago, where they took Kirk Cousins and then they took uh, Robert Griffin in the, with like the first round, and one worked out and one didn't work out. And that's usually the way goalies work too, because you're always drafting a goalie every couple of years to try to 
see if you can hit something. He can hit, he can hit gold or something. You know, there's never really this goalie like Roberto Luongo in the first round that, you know, he goes in the top ten and he's like a, he's like a, all, he's like an all NHL player. You know. Yeah, I think that's going to be an ongoing challenge for the Red Wings, and I really don't think I think that's one of the things that's going to hold them back from really being contenders. I mean, it might get them through the regular season and get them to squeak into the playoffs, but the problem is once you get into the playoffs, you really have to have reliable, solid goaltending, and you've got to have a plan in case somebody gets injured. So uh, that is a concern, and I think that that's a weak point. The good news, and you pointed this out, is one of the things we talked about last season was the fact that they had to get better on special teams. They had to do better on the power play. They brought in David Perron to try to help with that, and I think that he did to a certain extent, um, but he can't do it all either. And so one of the things that I thought was really encouraging that I saw yesterday is we did see much, much better um, work on the power play unit. So I thought that was something that it, it, they obviously knew they had to fix. They worked on it, and I think we've seen some uh, fruits of their labor there in terms of fixing the power play. So, good news. Yeah, there. and I, I think when we look back on the game yesterday, like this was a score four to three. The Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously, they they scored three. Two was on Reimer. One was on but uh, Jan uh, Bednar, which is a guy that's going to be your he's going to be a backup goalie in, 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 with Grand Rapids. But I liked who scored. I liked that Danielson scored. I liked that Larkin scored. I liked that Cider scored. I liked that Rasmussen scored. But we were talking before the podcast, Cindy, about uh, – actually, yesterday we were talking about it, about mm-hmm. Gostaspare. And Gostaspare is a guy that I think that could be a legitimate weapon for this team because when we talk about the Detroit Rebbings last year, one of the things that we always talked about last year at nauseum about this team was they're not good on the power play. Yeah. And if, if Shane Gossbear and Debrink could help you be better on the power play, now we didn't even see Daniel Sprong. I think Daniel Sprong, me and you both have a good read on Daniel Sprong, that he could be great in the power play too. So that's yeah. something that we're kind of looking at and going, okay, if they could be better in the power play, they can be a better team this year. Well, Sprong looked great in, in training camp. He really, really did. I mean, and and uh, the ghost, I, I called you, I think I texted you from training camp, and I said, man, this guy's got a slap shot that's unbelievable. I mean, just – yeah, it was fa- fantastic. I'm really excited to see him. I'm a little concerned that we only have him on a one-year contract right now, so I hope Stevie does something um, to, in order to retain him because I think that he could be a huge piece um, that that could really help the Red Wings advance. So don't know what the long-term plan is there, but I like what I've seen so far. Um, I would really love to see more of, of um, what Alex DeBrink is going to bring. Um, Larkin also. You know, let's talk about Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin. Uh, looked very, very good in training camp. And I thought he looked good yesterday, too. I think he is going to have a really stellar year as well. He had a very good year last year. I think he's going to have a better year this year. Um, he looks a lot more serious this year than he has in the past. And I think that's because he knows, you know, they're getting closer. They're getting closer. I think one of the things part of the, the Iser plan, and everyone wants to criticize the Iser plan. Well, you know what? Do you know what the Iser plan is? No, you don't. In fact, I'm willing to bet there's about half a dozen people in the entire world that actually know what the Iser plan is. But I think you can see it developing. You see him putting together his veteran core uh, with Cop and Debrinket and Larkin. And uh, you see that kind of coming together. And then you've got his young core that's coming up as well. You don't have a whole lot of people in the middle, but that's okay. Because if you have that veteran core that's going to move up in a couple of, or stay with us for a couple of years, and they're all on long-term contracts, so that's good too, his forward core uh, with his veterans. And then he's going to start signing all of these guys to long-term contracts as they start to become um, uh, 
free agents and things like that and their contracts expire. And I'm talking about the guys like Raymond and Cider and, um, you know, Edmondson and Soderblom and um, Marco Casper, uh, you know, he's going to be spending money on those guys. And those are, that's his kind of his young core coming up. In a few years, those guys are going to be absolutely lethal. And he'll have his veteran core ready to go. And, and then he'll have those guys who are, are going to be absolutely deadly because they'll have speed, strength, all the benefits of youth. And they will have the tutelage of those veterans that they've been playing with for several years. So I think that bodes very, very well. Um, for a very serious run here come, you know, the 25-26 season. Yeah, I think that what Stevie Y is doing with this Red Wings team is, like, obviously we know that he's trying to get the prospects up here, like, at, at a considerable amount of time. But I like what he's doing with the prospects. Like, he's not rushing them. And I think that, like, a lot of times if you rush a prospect, it ends up pretty – it ends up bad. Like, you know, with the, with the Tigers, they rushed up Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. And you thought about, like – because now people are pissed at uh, Scott Harris, who is the Tigers general manager, because he's kind of taken the patient approach, too. I always yeah. felt like like in baseball and hockey, it's a similar path to the league. You know, in NHL, you know, you're 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 developing, you're drafting, you're hoping that the, one of those guys clicks. In the MLB, you're doing the same thing. You've got a development pool. You're trying to develop them. They're not going to be ready unless they're a phenom, like, you know, like – there's one every every three years that, that comes right out of college or or, or or the you know minor leagues or high school that is ready to play right then and there. It's the same for hockey. Like you don't usually see a guy get drafted and then come in the NHL and just blow it up. I mean, I I know people think that it's it's like it can happen because they see Connor McDavid do it, they see Sidney Crosby do it, but that's not the reality. Like the more more often than not, there's like one or two year kind of waiting period for these prospects and I like that, you know, Eiserman's not, he's not rushing these guys up. Like, he, I think he could have rushed Casper up last year. He didn't. He kind of played the slow play with it. Uh, I thought he could have rushed Edmondson up at one point. You know, I think they, I think they put up Soderblom a little bit too early to the Red Wings, but, you know, yeah. they, they made the right decision at, the, at the, to send him down. But ultimately, I think the Red Wings are doing a really good job of kind of like developing their prospects, making the on ice product for the NHL team better with some veterans, some guys like Daniel Sprong, some guys like Gothisbear, Debrinket. They're making their team stronger. And then when you add these little pieces like Casper or you add a Cross Hannes or you add a Amadeus Lombardi or Edmondson, I mean, at least they're coming to a lineup that has veterans because I think a lot of people just – they gloss over the whole veteran angle because I think they, they think that, like, veterans mean slow and whatever. But sometimes you need veterans in the room. I mean – I could tell you right now, doing a Lions podcast, one of the things that people were talking about with the Lions is why didn't they draft Jalen Carter last year? And I told people the reason I didn't draft Jalen Carter last year is because they didn't have the people in the room to kind of keep him in check. You see what I'm trying to say? When you go to the Detroit Red Wings, this, oh, yeah. this, the, when you go to the Detroit Red Wings, you got guys like Sherrod, and you guys got you got Larkin, and you got you know Andrew Kopp, guys that have been around the league for a while now. And I pair Larkin in with there because he's been in the league for a while and uh it, that's just that's what you need to do I mean Justin Hall Shane Gasper they've been in the league for a long, long time too and now you got and now you got Jeff Petrie on the team too and he's been in the league in a long time so you got good players to bring them up and kind of like if you need to bring a prospect up they at least come into a room where there's veterans that are ready to lead 
Absolutely. You can't underestimate or you can't understate the importance of veteran presence. You know, you've got these young guys coming up. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of speed. I'll tell you, that's one thing that I see that's a whole lot different than in training camps past. And that is that I, man, those guys are fast. They're small. They're smaller other than Edmondson and Sutterblom and Posa. Okay, let's take them out of the equation and Rass. You, you can't take put him in there, but... Um, a lot of these younger guys, you know, Casper, all these newer guys, they're 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 not very big, but man, they are fast. And we know that uh, the NHL is a speed game now. You know, the hockey's a speed game in the NHL, and I think that the the Red Wings are absolutely addressing that, and they put a lot of speed um, coming up here. So the veterans may be slower, but I'll tell you, but they know what they're doing. And, uh, you know, Joe, you can make a really cute, quippy comment about, about that. When you're I more can, experienced, you just you, do it the right way, you know? That's right. That's right. I mean, you can have, uh, <laughs> you know, you can have two two guys uh, driving driving Ferraris, but uh, the one guy knows how to drive it. That's all I'm yeah, he's about. He's a better right? guy, you know? And Ladies, I, you I, know what I'm talking about. You well, know what I'm saying? I, okay, so I... <laughs> <laughs> right so 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 you know you got it doesn't matter if you got the car and you got the keys if you don't know what to do with the equipment forget it and so yeah, these yeah. young guys have a lot of this uh again tremendous tra the good things about youth right they've got speed they've got physical yeah. agility they've got a lot of things but the veterans know what to do with what they've got and uh they know the environment they know what to do in the environments that they're in and it is so important that they transfer that information to these youngsters because you get them out there on nhl ice and i'll tell you the other thing too is a lot of these guys that are coming from sweden we've got a lot of guys that have come in from sweden um and they will be the first to tell you that hockey here is different so yeah. it doesn't matter how great they did over in the swedish hockey league or in germany or wherever they come from uh, in other places in the world and other leagues it's different in the nhl and they have got to be given time to adjust to that and i think that's the other thing that these veterans help them with is they help them adjust to um play in the nhl well i also say like if you're a veteran you know what to do in certain situations that you don't know like okay like for instance like if you're if you're getting closed in on by like two def uh, uh forwards right they're back they're they're ch they're uh, checking you they're back checking you and yeah. you and and usually like a rookie, he'll he'll throw it around the boards or he'll throw it in the middle of the ice and it, it ends up in the back of their net. A savvy veteran, what he's gonna do is he's gonna be like, okay, I'm gonna backhand this off the wall. Hopefully it goes out. But if it goes to the back end and the defenseman kind of keeps it in, I still have the chance to kind of recover and not make the mistake of throwing it up the middle of the ice or anything like that. And I thought Alan had a great comment out over here. He said, uh I've been saying for months now that Larkin should have 90 plus points this year with help 27 next to a thousand points because yeah. he could be next to a thousand points. But me and you talked to nauseam about this last year too. If you yeah. just get Dylan Larkin, a good winger, like if you get him a good winger that can put the puck in the net, I think that Dylan Larkin could hit the next level because we are talking about a guy who, who who's done it a lot by himself. Like, let's just be honest. Like this, the rubbings have not been a, overall great team by any stretch of the imagination right and i felt like so there was times where it had to be dylan larkin that was carrying the torch and when dylan larkin didn't carry the torch they didn't score that they didn't score and you just can't win in the nhl like that i mean i know people look at Connor mcdavid and they go why can't we have that well you know what that guy is a freaking alien like i 
<laughs> it's funny that all this UFO stuff is coming out now about aliens because I'm pretty right? sure, I'm pretty convinced that Connor McDavid is an alien because you can't be that fast, that strong, and that good of a score. Like this guy just started scoring goals out of thin air. I'm like, what? Like that's Connor McDavid yeah. an anomaly. He went back to the mothership and picked up Connor Bedard and brought him back because that well, kid's something else too. He's just not know. even normal. I see Connor Bedard is. We, we talked about it before, but that size issue, like he doesn't have the same size as Connor McDavid. Right. So I wonder if that's going to be an issue. Obviously, Connor, obviously Connor Bedard is a fantastic player, but like I'm interested in what he's what he is this uh, his rookie year because um, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on the kid for out the hop. Oh, absolutely. We we had a big show about that, remember, last season as well, talking about the real uh, challenges for Connor Bedard, and everybody was ticked because we didn't get him, and, you know, Chicago got him, and the poor kid, he went to Chicago, and they're a train wreck, can I tell you? They're a train wreck, yeah. You know, it's it's funny, it couldn't happen to a better city, Cindy. It couldn't happen (laughs) to a better city. Like, the... I can't. I you, right. the joy that has come out of my face when I say that Chicago sports teams absolutely suck. The White Sox suck. The Bears suck. The Blackhawks suck. Like I'm just, I'm so happy. Like I, I, I can't stand that city. I now move along. Really, you're kidding. Well, besides, <laughs> you know besides obvious reasons. <laughs> you know what, Dominique Kubelik and I had this tremendous conversation last year at training camp about Green Bay, and we both hate Green Bay. So that's well, that's you, my you thing. Know, you know why I, I was glad to trade Kubelik? The reason I was tra- glad to trade Kubelik is because he admitted to being a Bears fan. Get him the hell out of here. <laughs> See ya. Go to go He's to Ottawa. inherently flawed. We needed to let him go. No, hey, right, great right, guy, the, right, right when you told me that, you said you met him at training camp, and you were like, yeah. "Oh, he's a Bears fan." I'm like, "Screw him. He's, he's not, he better score 50 goals, or I'm done." I don't and care. Then we traded. Then, then we then when we put him in the trade with the Brinkett, I was like, "Win, win." Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, but anyway, <laughs> I I'm digress. One thing, good bars. <laughs> we're digressing. Um, but uh, so he, so here's the thing: is that. Um, when you've got guys like Connor Bedard, the worries I have is that they're going to develop him too fast as well. I have this, I share that with you. And that's the one thing I think people were anxious to see Edmondson and Soderblom and all of our guys up there. They're very anxious to see Marco Casper. I really hope that Steve keeps them in Grand Rapids, at least for the first part of the season here to let them kind of get oriented and things like that and develop yeah. a little bit more. Um, I really do hope he does that, and I think that he will. And quite frankly, there is so much competition for roster spots this year with all of the acquisitions over the offseason that I'll tell you, if we're as good and as excited as people were about these young prospects and like Connor Bedard, I'm not sure they're going to – see, the, the, the Chicago Blackhawks are in a tough spot. They're in a very tough spot, and I'm glad we're not in that spot. They almost have to bring Connor Bedard in and bring him up on the roster this year because they got to sell it, tickets. Okay. They, they don't got, and, they don't got anybody else, Cindy. They don't got anybody right. else. Those people and, and, are buying tickets to see Connor Bedard. But the sad thing is just like you said, Joe, they develop them too fast and they might burn them out. It might be very, very bad. We don't have to do that. You know yeah. what I mean? We're not in a position where we have to bring any guys up. And with all of the acquisitions Steve's made, you're going to see a ton of great hockey out of the Detroit Red Wings uh, just with what he's got. Now, the problem is, that the division we're in is what makes it almost 
incredibly difficult. I'll say that I won't say impossible, but incredibly difficult for us to make the postseason. And I, so I, eh, I, if we were in a different division, different conference, maybe, but not where we're at. And that was what we got right now. I'll tell you these guys, even as, as excited as I am and some good things that I saw from them. The other thing I saw, and I saw it last night's game too, is that none of these guys really had the opportunity to really play together. Everybody's really new. And so what you don't see is you don't see that um, connective tissue happening yet. You know what I'm saying? You don't see the glue yet. You don't see them. I mean, it's early. Okay. It's early yet. But I think what we're going to want to really look for is when do, when does that happen? When do these guys start to really mesh? When do, when do these units really in these lines really start to work out and work together? The later in the season that happens, the less chance, obviously, we're going to have for the playoffs. And so I'm going to be looking for that just like everybody else right around Thanksgiving. You know, I'm going to be looking to see how are these line combinations working out and how is the gelling happening? Um, if we don't have it happening by then, it's going to be a, it's going to be a long second half of that season after the All-Star break. Well, I always I always go back to the whole thing that Scotty Bowman said about, like, where is your team at Thanksgiving? And then take a look right. at them and see where they are. That's kind of where I'm at with the Detroit Red Wings because we we know that like the, the division that they play in is very, very tough. It's a yep. tough division. But I do see teams that I think that are gonna fall back to the pack. I think Boston's gonna fall back to the pack. I really do. I think they're losing Patrice Bergeron. I think that that's gonna be like a Nick Lichstrom type loss because I don't think you can really magnify. I think a lot of people are over analyzing that the Boston Bruins are still gonna be the Boston Bruins with Marshawn and Poshinok. But the things that um, Bergeron did as a centerman, you just can't you can't account for it. Like it's 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 basically like it, when when Bergeron retired, I was like, okay, that's a big loss because when you look at Bergeron, he's one of the best players at the center position of all time, in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. a, a sulky winner, a guy that like he's just a captain material. I mean, we've seen Stevie Y with the Red Wings, and we said like, okay. He's a captain guy, like Zetterberg, captain, uh, mm-hmm. Nick Lindstrom, captain. You know, Dylan Larkin, he displays similar concepts. But Patrice Bergeron, man, he was – he was what a great player he was. What a great career he had in Boston. And, like, I don't think people are going to – I don't think people are analyzing it the right the way that, like, losing Bergeron is a huge loss. Well, I think – you know, and I said this at the end of last season. You know, another one of these I told you so's, right? Um, I told everyone – the Boston Bruins were not going to win the Stanley Cup. I said it from midseason forward. It's not going to happen. They were looking too much like the 97 wings and, uh, or excuse me, the 96 wings, um, where they had a fantastic season and then nothing. You know, then, then they got knocked out in the first round. Same thing happened to Boston. You just can't keep up that pace. And they had, they were relying in my, they brought in pieces too late. They were relying on other things too long. And, um, so I, I think, I don't know how far back in the pack they're going to fall. I don't disagree with you about Patrice Bergeron. I think that's a valid point to make. But I think, to be honest with you, they were kind of on downward trajectory to start with. Um, I think a lot of the wind got taken out of their sails with, with their postseason performance. Yeah, and I think they kind of shot their load. You know what I mean? I mean, they loaded up, shot their load, and it, it just didn't happen. I don't <laughs> They did last season, and I don't think they brought anything into so this what season so what, so what you're saying is it's premature elimination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, yeah, you could say that. No, um, I, I, I just think that like when you lose yeah. Patrice Bergeron, that's a huge loss. I don't care how you, you want to slice it. Like you'd lose yeah. that. It's it's a it's a pretty big loss. But when I look at this Red Wings team, I just think that there's a lot of more talent than there was last year. I think that there's a lot more talent overall in this division. One thing I look at with Buffalo and Ottawa is I don't I don't like their goaltending situation. Matter of fact, with Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit, I don't like their goaltending situations. So this is a total hodgepodge of like who's gonna have the least effed up goalie positions because right. When I look at, when I look at these goalies, I'm like, oh boy, no depth, like no depth at all. Yep. And like someone's gonna have to be better than they were last year. And it's gonna be like, okay, well, who is gonna be better? And I look at Ottawa and I go, All right, they added Tarasenko. Is 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 he some great player that's gonna be better than the Brinkett? I don't think so. Like Tarasenko kind of takes off games, like if we're being honest, he's kind of like the Anthony Manta type. That's why I was totally against signing him in, in the offseason. I know people wanted to sign him, but I was like, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not with it. I don't think it's what Stevie Y wants either with his young core coming up into, and seeing a guy like that kind of like take it, take it kind of slow. But um, yeah, I just, I just think that this, this team is way better than they were last year. So uh, looking at Boston, like, I just think that they have issues that like, I don't think people really count for the issues that they're about to have. Yeah. I think we've got some opportunity. I just, I just don't see it yet that we're going to have enough to get us there. I just, not yet, not yet, but what I can absolutely see is I can, by the way, what's that? People love their comment by the way. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they've got it yet. I think they're going to, I think they're going to get there. I think what Steve is putting together, he's putting together a tremendous mentorship program. That's what I see Steve putting together from someone who's kind of done that, been there, done that. Um, I see Steve doing that. He's got these tremendous mentors that are coming on. Um, I think they know that that's their role. And I believe that he's got these young mentees who are ready to be mentored. So that is going to take a, a season or two for all of that to shake out. But you're going to see tremendous benefits from that when you, like I said, rolling into that 25-26 season. Mark my words, I'm telling you now, I was right about Boston. By the way, I also picked the right Stanley Cup champion um, the year before that. I I, I picked um, the, the correct, I think it was what, the Knights when I picked them and then whoever it was the year before that. So um, I picked the right ones and, I'm, and I, just, I just have learned a lot from all my friends in hockey and just from hearing them so much, I'm just, I'm just telling you right now, watch for the wings in 25, 26 and in 26, 27. I, I, I would almost go on the record right now and say we're going to be in the Stanley Cup finals 26, 27. I had to look it up because it was in the, one of our groups that we had, but my cousin commented, he says, we need a Darren McCarty kind of player to be of the rebel. One you're, of these you're, guys? You're, yeah. You're friends, with da- you're, you're friends with Darren. So, I mean, uh, yeah. Who do you think on this current team or maybe in the prospect pool could be that guy that kind of like gels this team together? Because if I'm looking at the prospect pool, the one guy I can kind of, there's a guy on the roster that I think that can really be that kind of guy. And I, and I know you kind of didn't think he was uh, all that, but uh, Clem Costin, I feel Clean. like this. He wants to be known as Clem. I heard. Whatever he wants know. to be known as Clem, Clem, whatever. Clem Costin. Whatever he wants to be known as, he, that's what he is going to be known as. But like Costin, I think could be a legitimate. Like he could be a, he's going to be a tough player to be a play against with the Red Wings. And I think that 
when you have Costin in the lineup, I think that he's going to be a guy that, like, when he's in the lineup, him and Rasmussen, those are two guys that I think that when people, uh, you know, when the, last year when they played Ottawa, the, the Rebels played Ottawa, those two back-to-backs. Remember, we were talking about those uh, games where they just got destroyed. Yeah. And we were talking about the physicality, how they're missing that. And we, they obviously miss Rasmussen in that game because Rasmussen got hurt the game before. But, like, I look at Rasmussen, I look at Costin as guys on the, the current roster. Mm-hmm. And if, like, if we're talking about a guy in the prospect pool that could potentially be it, like, I would like to see it, but I don't think he's that kind of player. It's Soderblom. I'd like to see because he is a big dude. Like, if, but I, all, all you hear from uh, uh, people that were at camp that Soderblom's kind of soft. He is. He's like a big marshmallow. He's a big marshmallow, but he's a kid. Okay. He's a kid. And again, another guy who came from overseas, they play a different kind of hockey over there. They play a little more sophisticated hockey. They're not real physical over there. So that's not where he comes from. So I would say, no, he's not that guy. Now, interesting. Uh, two things that you talked about, two players that I was hoping you would because we need to talk about them. One is Clean Costin. And uh, what hey. I saw from him in training camp is I saw him put Bergen in a headlock. And uh, let me tell you, he didn't let go of him soon. So I don't know if he was trying to get that youngster accustomed to that type of treatment or if he's just a, (laughs) I hate to say it, just a dick. I mean, I don't know know which one. See, we can say that here because we're not on any broadcast that the FCC is watching. I don't care about that anyways. I don't know what his story was, okay? But, man, I saw attitude. And maybe – I can say, yeah, maybe you can like the attitude. Um, maybe you need that to be that kind of a guy. I don't know. But I I, I didn't like him picking on Bergie that way. And uh, I was kind of like, dude, you know, let, let the guy go. I mean, I don't know. I feel the, like I feel like the Rem- I feel like the Remings need a guy like that. That's just going to be like, like, he takes Brady Kachuk and just says, you know, you know what, dude, just like. I'm going to put you in a headlock and I'm about to squeeze the lights out of you. And like, I I'm all for it. Cause like we, we needed that last year. We didn't have that last year. We got pushed around in games. I think that people use the physicality as like, as a, as a way to exploit the Red Wings. Because I think when you got them, I think when you got the Red Wings, you started being physical with them. I think that you kind of took them off their game. Like they started, I think the Red Wings started to make some plays that they were not accustomed to doing and when you have like a guy like Costin that's gonna come on there and be like, no, 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 we're no, 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 you're not gonna do that right now. Yeah, I, you're gonna get your ass whooped. And then Rasmussen, that's a guy you want to talk about. I want to talk about. Yeah. I love Rasmussen. I think that Rasmussen is one of the most underrated players on the Red Wings right now because when you talk about Rasmussen, people talk about where he was drafted. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care where he was drafted. The fact of the matter is, he didn't live up to his draft like where he was drafted, but he's still a good player. He's still a useful player with a team that's going to be on the cusp, like if uh, a playoff spot. And that's a guy you need because he's gritty. He's tough. And we talk about, I talk about on the Lions podcast. I do the Detroit Lions News podcast. Go yeah. find it where Apple and Spotify. Um, I talk about it on the Lions podcast, like the, what Dan Campbell wants is grit, grit, grind, like grind them down. And I feel like Rasmussen is like that Dan Campbell type player. Like I, like and and I know Coach Alone was at uh was at Lions training camp and he was talking to Dan Campbell. I'm pretty sure that they were talking about Moose because Moose would fit in as a good uh even um even uh Coach Alone was interviewed on uh, 97 on the ticket. Yeah. And he was he was they were saying um like what player on your roster would be a good player for in football and he said Moose and Mo Sider and I was like 
I'll take either one of them, to be honest, because they get they both have a mean streak to them, and they're both physicality. So, I love Mo. You can't you can't you know you mentioned Mo Sider. Mo Sider is my guy. I watch him all the time. I've been watching him for several years since he first came up. He is the man. But let's talk about Big Rass, okay? Um, now, what's interesting about Michael Rasmussen is that I didn't really know um, too much about him, but interestingly enough, three years ago, I tagged him in some of my. Um, information that I was the notes that I was taking and I and I marked down some interesting characteristics about him and I was also at the game his first game that he dressed for and his his parents were there um you know he comes from western Canada and um his his parents were there and uh were so excited uh you know and they were they were the only Rasmussen jerseys you saw in that whole place were his parents and now you see a lot of people with Rasmussen jer jerseys and the reason for that is because you know Raz is a big guy we were excited about that. He was one of the first guys we got on our team that had any kind of size. But one of the criticisms of, of him in the early days was that he didn't use that size. He wasn't being physical enough. And I think he's adjusted his play and he has, he's not afraid to mix it up. In fact, he's like, Hey, you know, I'm going to use this size to my advantage now. And, but in addition to that, he actually brings with it really, really great hockey IQ. You know, people, you say he's underestimated. We talk about how smart this player is or that player is and what their hockey IQ is and all this kind of stuff. Do not underestimate Michael Rasmussen's hockey IQ. That guy seems to be everywhere he needs to be when he needs to be there. And that's because I feel like he knows those plays better than most. And he just has an intuitive hockey sense that I think is underestimated uh, with, with him. So I'm looking for, and we saw it last season, what a big hole that caused when he wasn't there. You know, it's interesting. It's not so much what you notice when guys are there, but what do you notice when they're not there? And yeah. one of the people that you noticed a huge, huge difference when he isn't there is Michael Rasmussen. So I'm looking for him to make a huge contribution to the Wings this year, and I'm expecting him to have a breakout year along with Larkin having um, a banner year for himself. Yeah, I think I think when you look at yesterday's game, I like we're gonna I'll rehash this again, but you know, Michael Rasmussen was the first star of the game which was interesting because uh, obviously he just scored that one goal. But uh, when you look at Rasmussen, like you were talking about it just now, and I want to hit on, I want to hit on that really quick. Um, you were talking about how like when Rasmussen went out, you noticed a difference in the team. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't agree with you more. Like, I feel like, I feel like a lot of people when they were talking about Rasmussen, they were like, okay, he didn't live up to the hype, blah, 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 blah. But the reality of the situation is when you seen Rasmussen leave the team, it just felt like the wheels came off. It really did. Like when they went to Ottawa and they got shelled by Ottawa and they didn't have that, they didn't have that guy. Now I'm, I'm almost, I would almost be say this, Cindy. Someone brought it up to me. I play hockey with him. His name is Tran. And he brought up the, Did you say Tran? Yeah. His name is Tran. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, his name is cool. Tran. I didn't and know if you said trans Tran. I wasn't, no, I wasn't no, sure no, if you're being no, politically no. correct. He's, he's a, he's a very, very, you know, um, He's a conservative person, so he's very, very conservative. My kind of guy. Uh, yeah, okay. your kind of guy. Anyway, <laughs> anyways, he was saying, if you really wanted to make a good first line, think yeah. about this: you put Rasmussen, Larkin, and Debrinket, because obviously Larkin's going to have that protection of Rasmussen. Right. And then on the second line, you could put Raymond, Sprong, maybe Cop, Comper, whatever you want to do. And then Costin could fill in if he needs to. But I, I think the idea of putting Rasmussen on the top line with Larkin, it's almost like mm -hmm. that that line with uh, Abdulkader, with Abdulkader, Datsuk, and uh, Zetterberg, where Abdulkader would win in the corners. He got the, he got the pucks and he, he made he, he 
he made it easy for his scorers to score. And I think that would be great for Rasmussen because I think what, what the one thing that Rasmussen really did well last year is he went into the, the corners and he really he really just got the pucks out of there. And that's something that you missed when he got, he left the lineup. And that what you said earlier about when he left the lineup, you noticed him more than when he was in the lineup. And that's something that you can't like. I think a lot of people they gloss over because they're like, oh well, he like he got injured. Well, what happened when he got injured? The Rubbings were not the same team. They didn't have the same uh, physicality level, and they didn't have that big guy out there that was willing to you know willing to rough it up to get to get pucks. And I, I think that's a key to put in there because. You look at Tampa Bay, like when Eisenman was building that team, like I, they've always had a guy like Alex Kalorn. I mean, I know yeah. Alex, I know Alex Kalorn's not some great player by any stretch of the imagination, but he'll 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 grind it out, and that's the kind of guy I can see Rasmussen being. Like if you put him on a good line, I think he could really do well. You know, I never thought about that. I never thought about him as a top line guy. But he certainly has the potential for it, and he certainly has something to contribute to to a top line. So the, your, your your buddy Tran might have something there. I'm going to have to give that some more thought because um, I just never really thought of him on that line. I think naturally you think of Lucas Raymond on that line. You think, yeah. of, you know, uh, uh, maybe, uh, you know, maybe a cop or something like that. I mean, you, you're thinking about other people on that top line. You don't think about Rask because he's been on second, third. You know, he's been in those depth positions. Um for a long time, ever since he's come up. So um, that might be an interesting line. We'll see if uh, if Newsy Lalone uh, takes some of our, if he's watching the, the podcast and uh, decides to give it a shot here during this, uh, you know, during the preseason uh, of throwing him up there on that top line. That's an interesting, interesting concept. So um, I, I think it's going to be, here's what I think is a really, really good news is that we have a lot more pieces this year to choose from to be able to put together meaningful line combinations in the forward group. I think the forward group has gotten so much stronger, and I think that's where we've really seen the progress be made. I'm a little concerned about defense. Um, I mean, we've got Mo Sider, we've got Ben Sherratt, but you know, then you kind of get down there, you got Alimata, and uh, he looked pretty good in training camp too, but I'm not so sure on the defense pairings. Um, I think they're going to have a top defense defense pairing I'm feeling confident about, but I'm not so sure uh, once you get in, into the, the depth pairings in defense if that isn't going to be a problem. And the reason why I'm particularly concerned about that is because of our vulnerabilities in net. So you have vulnerabilities in net, and if you have vulnerabilities inside your in your side your defense, I'm a little worried about, about that because, as I, as I said last year, it doesn't matter if you've got forwards that are scoring six goals if your opponents are scoring seven, right? Doesn't it doesn't make any difference? And you're going to wear your guys out if you're having them uh, have to have that kind of pressure in in high scoring games and things like that. So I know high scoring games are exciting to watch, but as far as kind of the health of the team and the prospects for moving into the postseason, I would rather see low scoring games personally. Yeah, you you like to see high scoring games on your your team side, but when you got a high scoring game back and forth, it usually tells one thing that right. you, usually the defense is not doing their job. But yeah. you know, I think a lot of things. I think the defensive core could be better, in my opinion, because I think you add a guy like Jeff Petrie back there. He's going to be stability back there. Uh, I know people don't like Justin Hall because they watch him at Toronto, but the reality of this, Toronto has always had a whipping boy. Like that's just the way. And I there was a comment from Ver, uh, Verna and Dan Trudell. He said they said we will win the we, we will we will win the cup before the Leafs. That's for sure. And I agree the, with that one. So, so the Maple Leafs <laughs> have always they've always had a whipping boy, right? Yeah. Always a whipping boy. And the one of the whipping boys that they did have 
that ended up coming to the Red Wings was Larry Murphy. And Larry Murphy worked out pretty damn well for the Detroit Red Wings. So I'm not saying he's going to be Larry Murphy because I don't want to say that because that's a Hall of Fame player and he's a really great guy. But the reality of the situation is, like, if you have a guy like Justin Hall, like, maybe there was so much pressure put on him. Maybe that situation was just a bad situation for him. You know, you see it all the time in sports where a guy goes through a, a situation where it doesn't match his caliber of play and he's put in the wrong position to succeed. I like what Newsy Lalone does. And I thought it was interesting because all when the, when he was out of the playoffs, when the Lalone was obviously he didn't make the playoffs, but he was doing CBC coverage for um for the for the for the hockey playoffs. And one of the things he said was uh, I thought it was interesting. And I went back and I watched it and I was like, he was right on that. So he was talking about Justin Hall, how he was he was always being asked to pinch in on on the offense, and he said that you know that's why he's getting caught up ice. Well, now Justin Hall is on his team, and he can make sure that doesn't happen. So right, that's, that's what I'm talking about when you when you're in a situation that is is it doesn't really fit you. Sometimes you can find yourself in a in a bad spot, and it, it just it doesn't fit you at all. Well, so many championship coaches will say they don't need the right they don't need the best players they need the right players you yep. know that's the, that's the answer i've heard him say it in football baseball but almost every major sport um that i I've, I've either read books or or heard personally from uh, head coaches who've said that so there's a general understanding that you need to have the right players at the right time as well you know you have to have the right opportunity but you've got to have the guys who are going to work well together you've got to have the guys that have chemistry together and you have to have a, a system, you know, if the coach's system isn't consistent with the players that he has and their style of play, you're going to have a problem. And, you know, the one of the most, what, the winningest coach in NHL history and our favorite, you know, one of our favorites, you know, Scotty Bowman, um, he learned that with the Russian five. You know, when he brought the Russian players over, he ad admitted that he made the mistake of trying to take Russian players and put them into an American system and to put them into a North American, I should say, North American type of, of a system. And it didn't work. They were great players in Russia. Nobody could understand when they brought them here after everything they had to go through to bring them here, uh, that they weren't working out. Why, why aren't we getting the production out of these Russian players that we saw in Russia? And what he had to learn is that he had to play them in their Russian units. And once he did that, once he made that adjustment and had them play Russian play just on North American ice, then all of a sudden you saw just all hell broke loose and nobody could beat them. I mean, they were just phenomenal. I don't have to tell everybody how great the Russian players were. But um, that's one of the things that will happen. So I think that was one of the real challenges that we had other than the lack of talent uh, when Jeff Blaschel was coaches. I just don't think he had the right players playing in the system that that he was trying to put out there. And I will tell you, training camp is entirely different than it was under Blaschel as well. So um, Blash is a great guy. I think um, I, I like him a lot, but he just um, it's not the play we needed. And I'll tell you one thing that the Red Wings absolutely need to do. And I think everyone out there is going to agree with this. We have got to play physical. That is when the Red Wings do well. I don't know if it's just ingrained in the culture. I don't know if it's for one reason or another, when we get physical, um, that's that's when we see better results. And so I hope that we've got some guys who are going to play that system of playing a more physical game because I think that is what it's going to take uh, to get us anywhere near a Stanley Cup. I think you're right about that because I think a lot of people, they make the mistake of thinking that this day and age of hockey, 
is more of a speed game, which it is a speed game. It's more skilled than it's ever been. But when you get to the playoffs and you get to the, the nitty-gritty of the game of hockey, it always comes down to physicality, no matter how you slice it. I mean, like when you're back-checking on the offensive end, that wins you games. When you're when you're 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 being physical on the puck, that wins you games. When you're making plays with your stick and, and stick checking another guy, that makes that that's a defensive style of hockey. And that's a that's a rough nose style of hockey. The one reason that the Red Wings won all those years is because they were great defensively with their forwards. Like if you look at Pavel Datsuk, I mean he was a he was a like a couple he won a sulky a lot and he was right. an offensive player and and. And that's key because I think a lot of people, especially these these kids nowadays, like I I don't know what to say about it. Like I was watching, I was watching the, one of the USA National Development Team coaches. He was talking about how like the kids coming into his program, they have no idea how to play defense. They have no idea to play defense. And the one thing he teaches them, he's like, okay, you're not going to go anywhere in the NHL with not playing defense. Like you you might play on a on a bottom like bottom roster. But if you want to be a great team, you have to have defensive style hockey and, and you're going to have to be physical. I mean, the one of the things that the U.S. preaches over Canada is the physicality. And if you look at Canada and the U.S., like they're the most physical of the two countries because, I mean, obviously Russia is a little bit physical, too. But when you go to Sweden and you got those Swedes, usually they're not that physical. I mean, they can be, but they're usually not that physical. The physical people coming from. Canada, um, you got you, the United States, obviously. Those players are usually more physical. We see that on our Red Wings roster right now because we named Costin and we named uh, Rasmussen. One's a European and one's a Canadian. And you look at it and you're like, okay, someone's going to have to make up make up the physicality on this team because that's what you need when you're playing hockey. I don't care I don't care how you slice it. You need physicality in the, the sport of hockey. And I know people say that physicality has gone away in the new NHL. Oh, it's still there. It's just it's just more ingrained into the finer tune of it. Well, you know, it's interesting because one of the things you asked me about was what you know earlier this was pre-show or whatever, and we were talking about what what are your biggest concerns? You know, what are my biggest concerns? What and that's one of them. One of my big concerns is that we're bringing in a lot of these Swedish players. We're bringing in guys that aren't North American style players, and I think they're going to need to adapt to that. They're going to need to adapt to a more physical play in order to really fit into a the system that's going to work for the Detroit Red Wings going forward. So my concern is that that those really talented, young, sharp players aren't able to adapt their style of play. If they are, I think they're going to be lethal. Yep. If they can't, then they're going to struggle. And so that is one of my major concerns, uh, with especially bringing in a lot of these um younger guys and a lot of these guys from other leagues that uh, aren't accustomed to that type of play. Well, I like that in Grand Rapids, they hired the Toledo walleye coach. Uh, I know you love the Toledo walleyes anyway. Oh, I, I, I love that logo. I just love it. I just, I can't get enough of it. Like <laughs> it, it's just it's a beautiful so logo. It's such a beautiful logo. Cause it's it, oh, the, and the, and the older logo was pretty cool. Cause it was a, it was a walleye missing a tooth. With a hockey stick. I mean, where do you see that? Like, the, that's great. Like, I love these fish, like, logos. I don't know why it is. Like, the Gwinnett Stripers, the Braves affiliate. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a, like, a fish holding a freaking bat. I'm like, where do you see this? Nowhere in the wild, but you see it in sports all the time. Those, some of those minor league uh, teams have, like, the greatest logos of all time. Like, the, uh, what was it? The, uh, uh, what is it? Um, 
the New Orleans like baby cakes is a, it's a giant demented baby. I'll I'll show it to you later. It's it's well, it's my God, what the hell else are you gonna do with the who who would name a team the baby cakes? Well, New Orleans. I mean, New Who's Orleans. These people. You know, it's it's Mardi Gras over there, and they're they're half in the tank anyway. So they're like, let's make a demented <laughs> baby. It like, don't matter. But like, um, yeah, I, I right. like it. I like that they hired the Toledo Wally coach because the Toledo yeah. Wally coach he that team was really physical. And I feel like if you get these players developed at the Grand Rapids level, being a little more physical, I think that's good for the development. Because one of the things I heard from people uh, from the Grand Rapids side, I, they made a coaching change because they didn't they didn't have a good year last year. And one of the things I heard from people that were going to Grand Rapids games uh, consistently was, we're kind of soft. And like that will that will go up to the Red Wings organization too, and that can't happen. Like it just can't yeah. happen. If you're soft at the AHL level, you're probably going to be soft at the NHL level too. So that's why it's important that they got the Toledo Wally coach because they play more of a physical game at Toledo, with Toledo. Obviously, it's the ECHL. I mean, that's how it's obvious what it is. But his his coaching style is the same. He's gonna coach. He said he's gonna he wants a phys- more physical team that's going to be more demanding on the puck. And I love hearing that because. It, the best teams are demanding on the puck. And like we've seen with the Vegas Golden Knights, one of the things that they did really, really well was they were physical. They were not overly physical, but they were physical enough to where they kind of grinded teams down. And, and they in a, in a seven-game series, that's going to be all that you need to win a Stanley Cup. And Well, that's a good point. You know, and that could be, again, all part of the, the Iser plan, right? It's not just – what you see happening in the NHL. It's what you see happening in the minor league affiliates as well. And where, where, what is he doing with his feeder system? You know, what is he doing with his development staff? Uh, who is he bringing in? And I think those are great indicators. And I think that Steve is moving in that direction. And that's the good news. And I, I, I really get aggravated with people who are losing faith in Steve Eiserman or they're, they're losing hope or, or whatever the case might be. And I, I think that's, I think that's very premature. When you look at where Steve came from and some of the um, contracts and, and things that he had to deal with coming in, he, he didn't have a whole lot of options uh, in the first couple of years. And now he's finally got some options and now you can see what he's doing with those options. You know, he loaded up the picks, he uh, made the most of them. He's done tremendous. You can't find, I don't think a general manager anywhere in the NHL who has made the types of moves, trades and acquisitions that Steve has for the price he's got them for. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just absolutely, you know, brilliant on the business end. So, and, and you want to say the guy doesn't know hockey, you know, go ahead and say that. But um, I guarantee you, I don't, you know, get, I don't get those. I don't than, get those. Than all of us. So I, I hope people will give him, I'll tell you, three, three, four more years. And they're like, oh, that's too much. Well, what would you do differently? I mean, that's what I'd like to ask those people. What the hell would you do differently than Steve Eiserman is doing? Not that it matters because you're not the GM of, of the Red Wings, but um I, I don't I don't appreciate uh, you know people kind of taking issue with Steve Eiserman. I'm not saying that he hasn't made mistakes because he has, but I really don't know who, who else would you get? Who who else would you choose um, to be the GM? I think he's the absolute right man. Talk about the right player and the right guy in the right place. Steve Eiserman is that person. They just need to give it some more time um, for him to work his magic. And I think you've already seen quite a few sprinkles of it, and you're going to see even more uh, as the Eiser plan reveals itself. And for those who are frustrated that they haven't been able to figure it out or they haven't been told what it is, um, I'll tell you, I've been myself in quite a few scrums, right, in the political world. And I'm, I'm pretty much considered kind of a hard hitter. I know as 
as soft and fluffy as I appear to be. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a hard hitter in, in my field and he's a hard hitter too. And I'll tell you the one thing you don't do is you do not disclose your plan to the opposition. So um, if he did, I would be highly disappointed and uh, he's too smart of a guy for that. So I think part of when the, when the eyes, uh, the eyes plan starts to reveal itself, you see it not only what's happening uh, up at the big club, but also what's happening in the minor leagues. Well, here's the thing I, I I say, like when you talk about the Red Wings and you talk about the Tigers and kind of how the way that they're structuring it, I don't know if this is an Illich thing, but this is kind of the way that they have structured it with these two general managers that they got, Scott Harris and Steve Eisenman. They both are playing the patient approach, and they're both about organizational development. And obviously when you're the Grand Rapids Griffins and you don't see them make the playoffs, that's not acceptable because you're trying to build a culture – at the Grand Rapids level that goes to the Detroit Red Wings culture up at the big level. I mean, that's what, that's what you try to do. The best teams in sports, especially baseball or hockey, the one thing that they do really, really well is they draft, they develop, and they their systems are, are significantly refined. So we're, they're like, okay, we're going to be very, very good throughout the system. So these players know exactly what they have to do. And one of the things Scott Harris did really, really well, and I, this is the same thing that Steve Eisman did, and I'm, I'm interested to hear your standpoint from this because what Scott Harris did with the Erie Sea Wolves is he said, we're going to get better there, and then we're going to go up to the AAA level, and then we're going to go up to the big league level. And that's where some of his high-prior prospects were. Obviously, in, in baseball, you have three uh, minor league systems, the, the single A, the double A, the triple A. Yeah. Uh, in, in the NHL, you just have the AHL level. Well, we've seen, uh, we've seen uh, the Erie Sea Wolves, which is this, Tigers double A affiliate. They had um, their manager won manager of the year and they won the Eastern League this year. So that just tells you like that's their that's their model. Like they're trying to get them to start winning down at that level. So when they come up, they're ready to win at the big league level, no matter if it's a major league baseball or NHL. They're trying to, to build that culture that comes all the way up to, to, the, to the top. Well, that's a smart move because if you've got guys who are accustomed to winning. And then they get up to the big club and then they're not winning. They're not going to be happy and they're going to turn it up a notch. You know, they're going to do whatever it takes to win because they're used to being winners. And what's so difficult when we talk about culture shifting inside of any organization, but in professional sports in particular, you know, if you've got to kind of be lost quite a bit, you, you, that tends to seep into that culture and all of a sudden it becomes part of their identity. And then all of a sudden they're not performing well, they are performing up to the level of expectation, which is very, very low. So if you want to increase and, and heighten the level of expectation, that's going to heighten and increase and level up your performance. But you've got to get them believing it. you got to get them believing it. So if you're bringing up players through the ranks who already believe in themselves as champions, already believe in themselves as winners, they're going to have that same mindset coming onto NHL ice. And they're going to perform to that level of expectation for themselves. So I think it's a smart move. It's, you know, the psychology, we don't talk about too much about the psychology of the game, but it's huge. The psychology of the game plays into the other thing, which is huge, which I think is everything. And that is culture. You know, when I talk to my NHL friends and people who've won multiple Stanley Cups, um, what they'll tell you is, yeah, we had this piece or that piece. Yes, we had great players. Yeah, we had some good breaks, blah, blah, blah. But what they're really focusing on is what was key is the culture. It was a winning culture. And that's what you have to facilitate. How do you get a winning culture? By changing the psychology. So it's really, really important that, and I've said this from the beginning as well, um, 
you know, the, the, the wings of three years ago, it didn't matter who they were playing. They had already defeated in their head. They got to win the game in their head before they're going to win the game on the ice. And they were already, they already lost that game in their head. So they stepped on the ice. What other re result did you expect? So um, I think that's, that that approach that you just described, Joe, does a whole lot in playing into that. And uh, that's kind of like next level stuff. It's kind of things that most uh, fans who are just watching yeah. casually don't understand. Well, yeah, I, I think it's something to bring up because if obviously if someone was watching, listening to the podcast on the Apple or Spotify, wherever they get their podcast or they're watching on YouTube right now or Facebook, like, what I'm trying to get to is like, you know, when you see the Lions, like I was just doing a Lions podcast. So I'm going to go back to that a little bit, but I was going to Tigers too. So I'm kind of mixing all these teams in together, but like you have to have a culture. Like I, I think people, a lot of people, they dismiss the culture. They think that you have to have wins in order to be a culture. And that's just not true. What you have to have in, to have a culture. And Cindy's been at the highest level of politics. You know, she's been at the highest level of politics and, and she's done great things in throughout her life. And she could tell you, like, if you don't have a culture in a business or you don't have a culture in, like, a political environment, like, if the culture is not right, like, if the culture is me, 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 you're going to have a lot of bad things happen because you can't do it alone. Like, if that's just not the way it's, it was structured. Same thing with hockey. Like, hockey, football, basketball, baseball, it's the same thing. Like, you need players in, in the locker room that are going to install the culture of what they want the team to be. I always harken back to the Philadelphia Eagles, right? They drafted Jalen Carter, which was the guy that people, the Lions wanted. But right. I always harken back to the, the Eagles culture. They got guys in that locker room who have been pros forever. We talk about like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Jason Kels. We talk about Lane Johnson. Like when you go into the Eagles locker room, you are expected, number one, to be a pro. Not be a kid, be a pro. And I think that's what a lot of teams miss because like if you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, like, I don't think they have that culture identified in their system. I really don't. Because if they had that culture identified, you know, as good as John Tavares is, as good as Austin Matthews is, I mean, they're more, they're, the Maple Leafs are one of the most talented teams in the NHL, in my opinion. Yeah. And they just can never get it together. And there's a reason right. that they can't get it together is because they don't have a culture. They don't have, they don't have the stability. Maybe the coaching is wrong. I don't know what's going on, but like, you have to look at everything. And if you're the general manager, which they lost their general manager, Kyle Dubas, because he got fired. Yeah. If you're the general manager, you got to look at everything in, in, in totality and think, okay, if this is going wrong, what, how do I fix it, you know, going forward? Absolutely. And I think that Steve's done that. And I can even, even see with a lot of the moves that he's made, you know, it's a matter of putting that. He has to find the talent that is also going to buy in to the culture that he's building. So he's very selective in who he's choosing. And he's also that way when he makes choices in the draft. Okay. So I know a lot of people were very upset and concerned. I wasn't happy about the fact that we picked as low as we did down in the draft, but that's okay because Steve Eiserman, you know, he had his list. He had his list already set to go. And I don't think any of those the guys that went in the top eight before he chose Danielson, I don't think any of those guys were probably on his list. Um, in all likelihood, because Steve tends to find uh, kind of the needles in the haystacks, you know, that he's looking for. So he knows something, he looks very for very specific things. And I think that it has a lot to do with, is this prospect or is this free agent or whatever, if I bring them in, do they have the talent that we can develop? Um, and if they, if they don't have the talent right off the hop, 
it, can it be developed? But more importantly, are they going to buy into our culture? I really think that's a bigger question for him because if they've got a bad attitude if someone they don't care how much talent they got if you got someone with bad attitude they're a poison they're toxic trust me i've been in many organizations and like you alluded to some of them joe you know i've worked presidential campaign yep. candidates and all that stuff at the highest levels and i can tell you that i have seen a toxic attitude bring down some of the most well-funded and with some of the most well organized um, or if you will, you know, some of the best statted um, teams get brought down by one toxic element because it spreads throughout and you and it just affects everyone else. So it is so, so important. And uh, I think Steve is incredibly aware of that. And those are the things that we don't see on the ice. Those are the things that we see behind the scenes. And so that's why I was a little concerned about Costin when I saw him. I'm like, all right, is he going to be a toxic element? But hey, then I thought maybe Maybe he's just serving a purpose there. Maybe he's trying to get some of these guys toughened up a little bit. Well, you know, practice practice makes perfect, and you want to toughen these guys up. I thought Bergeron could have been a little bit more tougher last year. I thought that, like, he didn't want to go in the, the gritty areas and, and kind of make things happen. I think when you look at Dylan Larkin, and you can even look at Lucas Raymond. Like, Lucas Raymond, for as small a stature as he is, he's not a big dude. One thing I could say about one thing I could say about Lucas Raymond that absolutely identifies with what Stevie Y is trying to do is Lucas Raymond likes to mix it up a little bit, and you see with Mo Sider, but ultimately, like you look at that back end, the defensive back end, he's building he's building a defense that is tall as hell. Like these guys are tall in the back end. Like you got Morris Sider, you got Simon Evanson, you got William Wallander, like. I mean, name a short person on the D line. I, I, I mean, the defensive end. I, I, you can't tell me one. Like, there's no guy that's small, and I think that's exactly what he did in Tampa Bay. He built a bigger, um, defensive, uh, you know, d- defenseman pair where they had guys in the back that they could just like, you know, they're they're kind of clogging up the ice, and I think that's what Tampa Bay did really, really well, and I think that's what he's doing here in Detroit. Well, I, I think that could very well be part of of his, you know, long-term vision uh, for how they're going to put together the Stanley Cup champion that is coming. I believe you're seeing a Stanley Cup champion and waiting. And that's that's why I think um, where we may not be a playoff team this year, but there's reason to watch because I think you're seeing st- uh, quite a few of these guys on the ice now um, are going to be on the Stanley Cup here with the Red Wings in, in the next three, four seasons. So um, good reasons to watch. The only thing I'm kind of concerned about is that people start to lose faith and and what in what's coming. You know what I mean? Um, you got to kind of hang in there. And because I truly believe Steve Eisman is building a dynasty, he's building the next dynasty. But the other thing when you we're talking about concerns is I think people have to understand, don't be looking for the 97, 98 wings or the, you know what I mean? Don't be looking for that team. They are not trying to recreate it. They're not saying, well, who's his Sergei Fedorov? Who's his Konstantinov? Who is his Steve Eiserman? Who is, you know, that's not what they're doing. Don't look for a recreation of that. You're going to look for something that makes sense for the current hockey environment. You got to remember that was also pre salary cap era as well. You're not going to have that now. So it's, it's going to look different. Don't expect to look for that Red Wing team that you're familiar with. You're going to see something brand new, but it's going to be uh, equally effective. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying there because I think a lot of people, they have this false anomaly that that's the way the Stanley Cup champions built, and that's just farther from reality than it is. I mean, 
that team that was 97, 98, 2002, those were the best, some of the best teams in, in Red Wings history. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a good, it's a good team. Uh, they have a lot of talent. So, I mean, I think this team is going to be a lot better than a lot of people think. And um, I, I just, I know you don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think when we get into our season preview, maybe I can coax you in on that. Maybe. Let's see if you can convince me. Let's see if we see a little more Dan Campbell in this Detroit Red Wing team. If we see Newsy starting to like bite kneecaps and stuff, then I think we got a shot. You know? <laughs> well, if, if, if Newsy comes out and his traps look as big as Dan Campbell, I mean, we're going to have a freaking problem. Cause I mean, you imagine that like, I got no kidding. I mean, like, it's like, it's like, who do you want to fight? Dan Campbell or the team? I'll, I'll take the team. <laughs> right. Well, the cool thing about Dan Campbell is, you know, if somebody gets hurt, he can just go in for him. You know what I mean? Pretty I much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I, it's yeah. fun, though. It's funny, though, because I, I love that Newsy was at Lions camp and he wants Dan Campbell to talk to the Red Wings because I just got a feel. I got a feeling when, when Dan Campbell talks to the Red Wings, he's going to be like, you just got to take their skin off and bite their dick up. It's like. <laughs> Oh, great. Like, let's go. Like, I mean, the, hockey is, um, yeah. hockey and football, they have parallels to each other. I mean, it's, it's all about physicality. It's all about being tough. It's all about being physical. And I know a lot of people don't think about the new age hockey being physical, but absolutely, it's absolutely physical. It's just in different forms of it. And obviously, we've seen the new NFL, which is like the NFL we see now. It's a little bit less physical. You can't, you can't do some things that you used to do back in the day. And that's for safety reasons. So, I think the Red Wings are on a good track. And I think what we talked about earlier in this podcast about how the way that they're building at the AHL level and building it up to what the new hire of, uh, I forget the guy's name, but um, he was the walleye coach. Um, I think that it's, it's just, it's, it's, they're building a team that's com- going to be competitive for the long term. And I think that's what you want out of a general manager because we've seen it before with the Tigers where, they weren't thinking long-term. They were thinking more short-term and it ended up costing them. And that's why their Tigers have been in this perpetual rebuild up until Scott Harris got here where he's, he's going to have to build up the farm system and, and, and that way they can be a continued success. Well, and I think the other thing that Dan Campbell is going to tell these guys is that, you know, we, we were the laughing stock of our league for years and people thought, you know, same old lions, same old lions, same old lions. Right. And even at, you know, last year, even you could see the changes coming and we told people about the changes that, that they were a different team. People weren't buying it. So, you know, that plays into the psychology too. When, when people, you know, your fan base has, has defeated you already. And uh, I'm sure Dan Campbell is going to tell the Detroit Red Wings, Hey, look, it doesn't matter if you've had six, eight, 10 losing seasons, whatever the case might be, you're a different team now, just like the lions are a different team. And you need to go out and show them the different team that you are. And you have to believe that you are a different team. You are champions in waiting. You need to understand that and you need to go out and act like it. And I think that that's what Dan Campbell is going to tell the Detroit Red Wings. And that's exactly what they need to hear. Well, I remember last year I, I followed the Braves pretty closely, and one of the things that uh, their their manager Snitaker is that's his real name. It's just funny as so. hell. But uh, he said, Did you say Snitaker? Snitaker. Snitaker. Yeah. Even better. Which is even greater. Like, but he's the Atlanta Braves are the best team in Major League Baseball this year. And last year he was saying that we just need to find our stride. We just need to find our stride. We got the talent. We got the talent. We're going to be great. And the one of the things I I remember he said is he said, look. I tell these guys all the time, like the Atlanta Braves have been perpetual. Like they've always fallen all over themselves. Right. Going back to like the 95, 90 seasons or whatever. Right. And he, and he said, he said, the only way you change it is by staying true to the people in the locker room 
and going out there and making the right plays. It's not about the flashy plays. It's about making the right plays. And what they do, they won the World Series, and they look like they might win another World Series this year. So that's the kind of cultural kind of what you want in a team where they ignore the noise on the outside because Atlanta is a pretty big media market, and they got a lot of people out there, and people care about the Braves because that's a, that's a Southern team. Yeah. But it, that's that's what they have to do. Like he goes, you can't worry about the media. You can't listen to the press clippings. You just got to do what you got to do, and you'll be fine. Well, it's all about the fundamentals, really, isn't it? I yeah. mean, really, that's one of the things that we even talked about uh, about previous Red Wing seasons and things that we saw. We saw him just not being solid on the fundamentals. And so um, I think they're not going to make that mistake uh, in the future. I think we're going to see them staying to those fundamentals. I think we're going to see them playing very solid hockey. It's whenever they get, you know, off that, that you know, just real kind of solid fundamental stuff that they tend to uh, find themselves in, in difficult waters. So as so long as they do that, stick to the fundamentals and just keep following the eyes of plan, listen to what news he's got to to tell them and listen to this veterans, these veterans that they brought in, that's going to be what they need to do. And then, and then they got to get tough. They got to play physical. So I'm looking forward to uh, kind of going over the next couple of games coming up here. And um, I encourage everybody to follow us. You're going to find, you're going to hear stuff here again. You don't hear anywhere else because we've got sources that nobody else has. So make sure to follow us on all the platforms. Um, Try to watch. I'm so happy to be back on camera. I've been, Offering, I've been telling people for a year now that we're going to be back on camera, and you have finally made an honest woman out of me, Joe. That's what I do. You know, I just, <laughs> I just had to get, I had to get us back on camera because, uh, I and I had to, well, the problem was I had to buy the right camera because I know eventually that I'm going to break the camera, so I had to buy yeah. the right camera, like a durable camera, you know, like a we got, you know, tough camera because I might punch it too, so you know, we just got to get it right, but um. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to doing another rumors show too. You know, uh, people love rumors. the rumors because I'm trying uh, to get a, I'm trying to get a, a sound yeah. clip for that too. So, but uh, yeah, the Red Wings play tomorrow uh, against the Capitals. They have a yep. couple games in between there. We'll talk about those games on upcoming podcasts. Obviously, with it being September 27th, we're really closing in on this NHL schedule. Like it's it's coming. This regular season's coming. Yep. And uh, we're gonna do our season preview before the season starts. So especially when we know the rosters and everything like that, but we'll have a podcast next week and we'll kind of go, we'll kind of delve into the Red Wings again, but it was, it was great to have everyone watching on YouTube and Facebook live. And yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was a good podcast. And I think people learned a lot of stuff from, uh, from us and I'm hoping that we can, um, you know, as, as we go along on this whole camera thing, I mean, hopefully your beauty, your beauty brings them in and my <laughs> ugliness kind of keeps them <laughs> trapped in here. So we're going to be great. You are so kind. God bless you. See? Well, you know what? I was, I was told that I was told a couple of, uh, a couple of, uh, I was told a couple of months ago that when you have a woman on your podcast, you know, that you're, you're supposed to be nice to them. I said no. I'm. You know what? Cindy's Cindy's part of the club. She knows exactly what she's getting into. Like I said, this is this is the hockey players' club. So we got to get her. We got to get her accustomed to some of this stuff. I mean, she's writing a book for goddamn sake. So we have to right. get her accustomed to some of this stuff. I mean, it's just the way it goes. And if she don't like it, well, then why are you writing a book? That's cool. I can take it. You know what I mean? It's all good. Learned a lot. I mean, I've. I've you know she's she's friends with Darren McCarty, so I mean if she, uh, you can be friends with Darren McCarty, I mean obviously you're pretty damn cool. So that's that's what we're going through. 
Yeah, Darren McCarty and quite a few other ones. And uh, if anybody knows Nails oh, out our, there, uh, you know what? I'm gonna Nails I'm, knows who I, he is. I hope you have a great season, Nails. I, I am You're going great. to. I am going to get you. I'm going to get you a sounder that's going to be like it's going to be a siren. Every time you every time you name someone that you have talked to, <laughs> we're going to play the siren because I think that's important. Okay. But but uh, it's been okay. great. It's been a great podcast. And Good if you've been you watching, again, my friend. If, if people have been watching on YouTube, they're going to be watching on YouTube. But if you're on Apple and Spotify, make sure to subscribe and follow. And it's great talking to you, Cindy. Obviously, I miss talking rubbing's hockey. And we're back. And hopefully it's a better season and it lasts longer than last season. Because obviously last season, when we got to March, we were talking about the gritty, you know, trying to grit it, grind it out. And we're like, what can they do next year? Like we were talking about next year. Hopefully in March, we're talking about maybe a playoff push. You are a man of great confidence and uh, faith. Love it. I hope well, you're right. I uh, I have endured a lot of I, I have endured right. a lot of bad hockey. So let's let's hopefully let's let's hope that we uh we're we're going towards brighter days. You know, brighter days. Fingers crossed. All right, it was a great podcast. Thank you for everyone watching, and we will see you in the next podcast on Red Alert Podcast, a Detroit Red Wings podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook. Instagram at Red Alert and then uh, YouTube at Between the Whistles Detroit, and you'll get all your live notifications there. So we'll see you in the next podcast and see you next time. Go Red Wings. See you then.